so this morning I have the pleasure and the honor to introduce uh, to you our speaker. Uh, you've met her before, uh, Sister Patsy Jones. You, you've uh, uh, she's been here before, uh, and uh, we appreciate her being back this morning. Uh, we we love her and uh, love her uh, message. Always speaks the word of God, and you know just a little tidbit. Her and her husband. Uh, we used to work together a long, long time ago. I don't want to tell his age, <laughs> but I think you were in engineering, right? Yeah, yeah. So that's been so long, he almost forgot. <laughs> but we thank them both for being here, and I know that they're going to bless us, and I'll turn the service over to them at this time. It's good to be with you this morning. We are such a, It's such an honor to be with you and we thank the Lord for the opportunity that we have but we also thank the Lord for being able to worship with you again it's been a while since we've been here but we see so many familiar faces and it is a joy I always enjoy y'all singing y'all have the best choir and I appreciate that and we're going to sing this morning I'm going to sing thank you sir my testimony this morning. As I kneel in the darkness in the middle of the night I'm praying for assurance everything's gonna be alright Lord, I see another battle out in front of me. I'm afraid I won't be able, and I'll go down in defeat. But he said, do you remember just where I brought you from? Take a look behind you how far you've come and every time you ask me didn't I deliver you oh why would you be thinking that I wouldn't see you through didn't I walk on the water didn't I calm your raging sea I spoke hushed and I gave you peace. Didn't I run to your rescue? Didn't I hear you when you called? I walked right beside you just so you wouldn't fall. Didn't I leave all of heaven just to die for your sin? I searched until I found you Not that long. 
Oh, she hears a voice so soft and low Says I moved like this before I'm gonna do this little thing, child And I'll give you so much more Didn't I walk on the water? Didn't I calm your agency? I spoke to the wind It hushed and I gave you peace I'm glad he searched for me, aren't you? He found me when I didn't even know I needed finding. And I thank the Lord for that. I got it. <laughs> we both got it. Uh. <laughs> That's fine. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord again for his opportunity to be with you today. And I sure never thought we'd be here this morning again. Because I thought y'all had a wonderful pastor. And I know you're looking for a pastor again. And I've been praying for you ever since I found out you've been searching for one. Because we all, all our churches need someone to lead us. Thank the Lord. Who likes riddles? Anybody like? Somebody go ahead and groan. Uh, riddles. I don't like them. Sometimes I do. If I know the answers, I like them. If I don't, I don't. But I want to give you a riddle this morning. Everybody wants it. It's the thing that fuels what we do. It's what gets us through tough times and helps us to not quit. It's hard to be happy. And hard to continue when we don't have any of it. What is it? Somebody said it. Hope. That's exactly right. Hope. We need, everybody needs hope. Everybody dealing with life needs hope. Amen? We all need hope. The research and psychologists and doctors and scientists have done studies and research shows that hope can help us manage stress and anxiety and it helps us cope with adversity. We all need hope. Amen? Somebody said that we could live 40 days without food, three days without water, and maybe three or four minutes without air. 
but we cannot exist without hope. Now, I haven't tested any of those. I haven't gone through any of those situations trying to find out if I could live or not. But I do believe there is some truth in that. More than anything right now, this world needs hope. We need hope because we're living in a world that is full of chaos and people feel helpless. They feel not, they can't do anything about the things going on around them, the things that are happening in the world. We just feel helpless and the, when we get to feeling helpless, we keep we got sometimes slide down into hopelessness. So we need uh, we need hope. The world needs hope. They need hope to cling to. They need hope to that gives them something to look for. To. And as Christians today, you and I have hope. Hallelujah. We have hope this morning because we know the God who is the source and the reason for our hope. And we have Jesus living inside of us who is our hope. Amen. Hallelujah. A.W. Tozer said, hope is the music of the Bible, the heartbeat, the pulse, and the atmosphere of the whole Bible. And I want to this morning we will talk about a message of the Bible, the message of the Bible that's captured by a scripture in t- Titus. It is a powerful hope. It is a hope that will never fail us. It won't leave us ashamed or embarrassed. And the only type of hope we can find like that is a vertical hope. Because we can look around us all day long. We can find no horizontal hope. We can look at this world. We can look at people. We can look at situations. We can look at places. And we can't find the hope that we need. So we need to find some hope in this world. Everywhere we look right around us this everything has been affected by sin in some form or some way and everywhere we look we see that everything is in the process of decay we're all getting older we were born we were born young but look at us now and the mirror I, sometimes i don't even recognize who's looking at me i want to know who is that woman and where who stole the other one we don't know. We, we're just, we got, a, we got a situation, a world. Everything we see is fleeting and it's temporary. It's some, none of them last. So we know we have to look to God for hope. Amen? We have to look for, to God for hope. And what God has promised us, we are sure that he will bring it to pass. So then we have to look for a vertical hope because what the hope that we need today, the hope that gives us reason to continue one day after another, no matter how hard life is, and a hope that gives us a reason to continue, a hope that promises us good forever is only found vertically. And we will look at that vertical hope this morning. And it's in Titus chapter 2, verse 13. And it says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. That's our vertical hope. That vertical hope is the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in the verses right above it, verses 11 and 12 of Titus 2, he says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, 
righteously and godly in this present world. So we see that Paul is speaking of grace. He said God's grace has appeared unto all men and it's made a salvation available for all. God's grace became visible in Jesus Christ. And because of that finished work of Jesus on the cross, his grace has brought salvation right to our doorstep. Everybody can be saved. We can all be saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Bible says we don't have to work for it. We don't have to earn it. It is a gift. And he says all we have to do is ask and receive. All that call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. So we thank the Lord that grace not only saves us, but it teaches us. He said grace teaches us that we should deny ungodliness and worldly lust. And that we should live righteous lives. We should live lives that are right with God. Simply put, that says grace teaches us to say no to God, ungodly desires, to worldly lust around us. Christians, we're different from the world because we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Therefore, we live differently. And when grace grabs our heart, it challenges us to live according to God's will. Hallelujah. Our desire flies out the window when grace grabs us. And, it le- and we, wanna de- we desire to live a self-control, a moral life, a godly life, a life that is pleasing only to God. Amen. Grace teaches us to live godly. Hallelujah. By focusing on two things. We focus on the past and we focus on the future. We look back at the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Hallelujah. That's his first coming. Hallelujah. But we look forward to Jesus' second coming because we know that is going to happen. And grace teaches us to live expectantly for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We live in constant expectation of the imminent coming of Jesus Christ. And as faithful students of grace, we deny worldly desires. We live righteous or godly lives. And we look forward to Jesus' coming with expectancy. I'm expecting him to come any moment. How about you? Amen. Bible teaches us, Paul says, looking for that blessed hope. We use that word hopeful, wishful thinking or desire. But the biblical definition of hope is confident expectation. It is a confident expectation of something that is good in the future that is definitely going to happen. So biblical hope is a certainty. It's not wishing. Biblical hope is not a hope so. It's a no so. It's a certainty. It is so confident that we know whatever we're hoping for is going to happen no matter what circumstances may come up and slap us in the face and make us want to doubt It is so confident we know it's going to happen. Amen? That's what biblical hope is. Why is our our hope so confident? Well, mainly because it's in God. 
Our hope is confident. It's rooted in God. Romans 15 tells us that God is the God of hope. It's rooted in a God who is eternal, not the gods of this world and not the Satan Satan and all his imps, but it's rooted in the God who is eternal, who created everything, the God who changes not. It is rooted in a God who is established and it's rooted in his word. Our hope is solid because our God is solid. Amen. Our hope is confident because it's grounded in the Word of God. And we know that the Bible says His Word is forever settled in heaven. Nothing can change His Word. It is fixed. It is established. It is immovable. And it is that way for all eternity. Hallelujah. Nothing can change God's Word. So whatever God has promised in His Word is going to happen. Amen. It's a certainty. We know it is. So whatever our blessed hope is, we know it's going to happen. Amen? So Paul, don't leave us hanging. He tells us exactly what our blessed hope is. He said, the glorious appearing of our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul says we are looking for Jesus. We're looking for the return of Jesus. And I can say with him, hallelujah, yes, amen, I am. I am looking for Jesus. I can tell you that I haven't prayed for Jesus to come all my life. I've never prayed as much as I pray right now. And come, Lord Jesus. I tell you, this world we're living in makes me say every day, help me to be ready. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. We're not just waiting for his return. We're living in active expectation of his return. We're looking for him because he is coming. We're looking for a vertical hope. He's coming. He's coming to get us and we're looking up because Jesus is coming again. His return is put up, put forth so clearly and so frequently in the scriptures. I did a little research. Roughly one out of every 20 New Testament passages refers to the second coming either directly or indirectly. And all nine authors of the New Testament refer to his coming. The doctrine of the second coming of Jesus is one of the biggest doctrines in the Bible. It's second to uh, the salvation, the doctrine of salvation. So we see it's important. And we know that Jesus himself told us that he would come again. If I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Hallelujah. The angels told us this same Jesus that you see going away shall so come in like manner. Peter, James, John, Paul, they all told us Jesus is coming again so if we believe the Bible is the inspired word of God we have to believe in the second return of Jesus amen hallelujah Paul said we're looking for a glorious appearing and appearing is an appearance or an arrival <laughs> it's an arrival hallelujah our blessed hope is not heaven right now our blessed hope is Jesus 
And Jesus is going to take us to be with him forever. We're going to see Jesus face to face closer than we've ever seen. Jesus, the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ is our vertical hope. And my hope is not horizontal. I don't hope in anything in this world. The psalmist David said, what do I wait for, Lord? I wait for you. My hope is in you, oh Lord. Hallelujah. We're looking for Jesus. When is he coming? Well, I don't know. And if anybody tells you they do, they've told you something wrong. Because Jesus said not even the angels know when when he's coming. So we know. We don't know when he's coming. We just know that he is. We know he's coming. When my daughter comes down to visit us from Michigan, our daughter, when she gets on the road, we keep up with her by text. She tells me, I've just passed over. I'm driving through those endless roads of Ohio. I've now crossed the border of West Virginia, and I'm in the mountains. I'll soon be seeing the Virginia state line, Mama. And I'm soon, I've just crossed North Carolina line. And she'll tell me, I'll say, what is your ETA? What time can I expect you? And she tells me exactly when it is. My GPS says the ETA is at 9 o'clock. Well, at 9 o'clock I'm not going somewhere. 9 o'clock I'm not doing anything but I'm standing around close to the door. So most of the time at 9 o'clock I am at the door. I've got my front door open. I've got the storm door so I can see out and I'm watching the driveway because the ETA is most of the time it's right. I get it close enough so that she don't have to tell me an hour and got caught up in traffic. She tells me when she's coming into the Wilson area and she lets us know. So I'm standing at the door looking. I know when she hits that driveway, I can run out that door and I can grab hold of my baby and I can hug her with all my might because I've been looking for her. I've been expecting her. I knew when she was coming. Well, hallelujah. We don't know the moment that Jesus is coming. We don't know when he's going to arrive. But I'm looking for him with the same expectation that we look for when Julie's coming. Because Julie, I know she's coming. So I'm looking for her. I'm waiting for her. I know Jesus is coming. So I'm looking for him. I'm waiting for him. I'm standing there just waiting. I watch the eastern sky. I listen for the sound of the trumpet. Amen. Hallelujah. His coming is is our hope. And that's what kept the early church going. Even in the midst of the persecution that they went through. They were looking for his coming. They They got up every morning and they said he may come today. The disciples, they all died as martyrs. Except for John. And the Bible says he, well, history says he was boiled in oil and he didn't die. And the Bible says he was put in exile on the Isle of Patmos. But that didn't stop any of them. It didn't stop him and it didn't stop any of the other ones from declaring the word of the Lord. They kept declaring it until the day they died because he may come today. Peter kept on preaching even even knowing that they were going to kill him because he may come today. Paul kept on preaching. 
preaching in the prison. And even when he was stoned and left for dead, and when he was beaten and shipwrecked, he kept on declaring the word of the Lord because he knew that Jesus may come today. If they believed Jesus was that close to coming, how much more should we be looking for Jesus 2,000 years later? Amen? We're looking for him. I don't know when he's coming, but I'm looking for him at any moment. Hallelujah. He may not come in 40 years, but I'm still looking for him. Amen? We're looking for him. We're looking for his coming because we're right now we're living between the first and the second coming of Jesus Christ. We're in the middle. The first coming of Jesus provided salvation for all men. That was our first manifestation of hope. Hallelujah. But this hope that is coming now is going to be Jesus. And his second coming is what we're looking for now. And I want to stop just a minute and teach a little bit. I love teaching the Bible. I love teaching our doctrines. You do know the difference between teaching and preaching, don't you? I'm sure somebody has had to tell you this. Teaching is telling. Preaching is yelling. You've seen a little bit of it this morning. But I, I helped out our pastor at our, on Wednesday nights, and I taught the IPCH, the IPHC's 14 Articles of Faith on Wednesday nights. So, and I know all of you, most of you already know our doctrine, and you know our 14 Articles of Faith, but I want to just share this with you. Article 13 says, We believe in the imminent personal premillennial second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what we as Pentecostal holiness people declare. That is the statement of what you and I believe as Pentecostal holiness church members. We believe that Jesus' coming is imminent, and that means it's near. It can occur at any moment. Jesus could come Right now. Amen. And then it says we believe in the imminent personal. Personal means that the Lord himself is going to come again. He's not sending an angel. He's not sending an emissary from heaven. He's coming himself. That same Jesus that they saw going away is going to come again. Hallelujah. So we believe in the right now personal Coming, premillennial is the next big word. That means he's going to come before the millennium. And you all know the millennium is the thousand-year reign of Jesus on this earth. Jesus is going to come again with his armies of heaven, and he's going to set up his kingdom right here on earth. And he, along with the saints, are going to rule and going to reign in righteousness for 1,000 years. So we believe in the imminent, personal, premillennial second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ will occur in two stages. We are pre-trib. That means we believe that the first stage will happen before the tribulation. And the first stage will be the rapture of the church before the great tribulation. The Bible teaches us that one day Jesus is going to step out on the clouds of glory and he's going to call away or catch away the church 
And that's every believer, dead or alive, all believers who are in Christ, they're going to be called away from this earth and they're going to go to be with the Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says, we'll not all sleep, but we'll all be changed. So some won't be dead. The Bible says we're all going to be caught up with the Lord. Some are going to come up out of graveyards. Their bodies is going to be changed. Some are going to be alive. Their bodies are going to be changed. And they're all going up to meet the Lord. Hallelujah. He's going to catch away the church in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to be a secret sudden coming because we don't know when it is. And we don't know when he's coming. But we know that he's coming. And he's going to catch us away. And we're going to be gone. It's going to be a meeting in the air. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know if y'all still sing that old song, but we do. That one day there's going to be a meeting in the air. And only those who are ready, those who are in Christ, whether they're dead or alive, are going to be caught away with him. That's the first stage. The second stage will be the return of Jesus Christ in power and glory at the end of the great tribulation. Jesus is going to come back in power. He's going to come back in glory. He's going to be riding on a white charger. He's going to be followed by all his saints and the armies of heaven. He's going to come as king of kings and lord of lords and commander in chief of the host of the angels and the armies of heaven. Hallelujah. Upon his head is going to be many crowns and every eye shall see him. Hallelujah. He is not coming back to take sides. He's coming back to take over. Hallelujah. He's going to destroy the armies of the Antichrist. He's going to judge the nations of the world. And then he's going to set up his millennial kingdom here on this earth. Jesus is coming again. And I'm here to tell you, we don't hear it often. It might not be a popular doctrine. Some ministers refuse to talk about it. But I'm here to tell you it is still true. It is still part of this word. Jesus is coming again. And right now we as children of God, we live on tiptoe uh, expecting God to step, to tell Jesus, go bring my children home. Hallelujah, hallelujah. There is going to be a moment when we do. We can expect him to come at any moment. I'm looking for Jesus. And since we're looking for him, we have to be ready. Amen. Do you know what be ready means? Let me give you a little story to illustrate it. A man told a class in a school. He told those students, he said, I'm going to give a prize to the pupil whose desk is in the best order when I return. And they said, well, when are you coming back? And he told them, I can't tell you that. I can't give you that answer. So one little girl, she stood up and she said, I'm going to win that prize. And all her classmates laughed at her because she was known for having the worst-looking desk in all the school. And they said, how in the world do you think you are going to win? You are the messiest student ever. 
And she says, that's okay. I'll just clean my desk the first of every week. And they said, well, what if he comes at the end of the week? She said, well, then I'll clean it every morning. And then they looked at her and they said, but he may come at the end of the day. And that kind of stumped her. She just stood there for a few minutes and she was silent and she thought. And she finally said, I know what I'll do. I'll keep it ready. I'll keep it ready. I won't clean it up at the end of the night asking for forgiveness for what I've done or what I've said. I'll have it ready all day long. Lord, forgive me. You know what I did. I said that wrong. You knew I said it. I know I said it. Forgive me, Lord. I'll keep it clean. I'll keep my life right. I'll keep my heart right. I'll keep my hands clean. I'll keep myself ready. Because I don't know when he's going to come. He may come at morning. He may come at night. He may come in the midday. We don't know when he's coming, but we know he is coming. So we be ready. We know we can live, live close to the Lord because the truth of his coming is like a magnet. It draws us closer to him. I don't know about you, but I've prayed more in the last couple of years than ever before. I've tried to stay closer to the Lord than ever before. Yes, I'm getting older, but I also see the shape that this old world is and this world can't stand long. Hallelujah. Jesus is soon going to come and I want to be ready. How about you? Amen. When somebody asked an older Christian what was the secret of his joy and his joyful attitude that he had all the time and he told them and you've heard this. I read the last book in the Bible and I know how the story ends and I'm on the winning side. Church, we're on the winning side this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are on the winning side. Jesus is coming for a church that is ready, a church that is pure, a church without spot and without blemish. He's coming again for us. Amen. And we encourage our hearts this morning, even in a world that's turned completely upside down, we have hope because we look forward to Jesus coming, descending from heaven and taking us home. Church, we're soon going to be going home. And a, this little story was told of a 87-year-old preacher who was hired by a church in California. Not long after his arrival, the church members began to complain that he really wasn't what they wanted. He wasn't a great speaker. He didn't have any pizzazz. He didn't have any charisma. So instead of going to him and lovingly discussing what their concerns were with this minister, they chose guerrilla warfare. They talked during his sermons. They withheld their giving. They belittled him behind his back. And a lot of people stopped attending It didn't take him long. He got the message. And because he didn't want to hurt the church, he quietly resigned. And as he was leaving, two seminary students approached him, and they looked at him, and they said, So, what are you going to do? You don't have any family. You don't have any money. And you don't even have a home. What are you going to do? 
And he just looked at them with, and answered without any hesitation. And he said, I'm going to heaven. And they just laughed at him. And they said, sure, we know that. But tell us, really, man, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You got nowhere to turn and you got nobody to help you. What are you going to do? He said, I'm going to heaven. And the fact that I'm going to heaven makes all these times of temporary hardship seem mighty insignificant. I'm going to heaven. Hallelujah. That's so true, church. It's going to be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. Hallelujah. One glimpse of his dear face. All sorrow will erase. So bravely run this race till we see Christ. Keep on running, church. Keep on running. I didn't come to tell you anything you didn't know. I came to encourage you. I came to remind you to stay ready because we have a hope. We have a blessed hope. We have a hope that Jesus is going to step out and we're going up with him. We have a hope that we're going to see our loved ones who have gone on before us and they're waiting for us. We're going to see them again. We have a hope that we're going to live in a place where there's never going to be no sorrow and no more pain and no more sickness and no more goodbyes. We have a hope that we're going to live with Jesus forever and ever. Church, we have a hope. And our vertical hope is soon coming. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. He is coming because that second coming of Jesus is the only answer for our confused world. There is no man, there's no politician, there's no government. There's no doctor, there's no scientist that has the answer. But God has the solution. He has a man. And one day the man, Christ Jesus, is going to step out. And he's going to come and bring the answer that we're all looking for. Hallelujah. We're going to heaven. Amen. I'll close with a question. And would you just bow your head as I ask this question? Because it's basically a thought question. Nobody can't answer it for you. It's for you and you alone. But I just want to leave you with this thought because his coming is so near. He's at the door, one of the writers says. And I believe his coming is nigh. If you knew that in five hours you would face Christ... What would you do? Just think that. Think about that. If you knew in five hours you would see Jesus Christ face to face, what would you have to do to be ready? Lord, help us to be ready. If you know something that you need to do, do it now. 
Because right now, we've got an opportunity. I trust that everyone is a Christian here. If you're not, today, you can get to know this Jesus. If you met Jesus in five hours and you were not a Christian, you need to get saved. You need to turn your life over to him. You need to call out to him and ask him to save you, to forgive you, and make you his child. But if you've got something in your heart against a brother or sister in Christ, and you're a Christian, and you've got those things that you know you need to take care of, you need to fix those too. Amen. Would you come and let's pray. Hallelujah. The Pine Level Pentecostal Witness Church Incorporated, copyright 2024.